to the Mad Max Minute. Let's not do the wrong thing, and I swear it might be fun. It's a long way down when you're watching Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome one minute at a time. I'm Rick. I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 93, which begins with Jedediah Jr. disappearing into a hole in the ground, and it ends with Jedediah playing dumb with Max. Wrapping up the week with us are a veritable bouquet of gin blossoms, Liz and Karen. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having us back. It has been quite the week. This is quite the change of pace from season two. Having you on for three episodes straight instead of just one and done. It's very exciting. I like it. Like, yeah, ma'am. And I, I'm particularly pleased with being involved with like in this week because you get like the whole full arc of like pathos and then humor. Like I, I like it. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> it was a really good week. Yeah. Way better than that one week where it was just Max staring at the plane and then being all mopey. <laughs> Yes. But that That's was like then. half the movie. Smacks that was being then. mopey. This is now. Times are tough. When we left Jedediah Jr. on Wednesday, he was doing a valiant effort trying to pull that trunk closed or boot or whatever people call it. And at the top of this minute, he has to redouble his efforts because appearing over the edge of the rocky ridge is max and all of the others so he has to really just hunker down pull on that rope and down slams the hood boot trunk whatever i can't help but wonder if he had been able to close the boot before max and the group crested the ridge and witnessed the closing of the boot would they have crested the ridge and seen nothing at all and not known where he went and been mystified and that, yeah. lost the trail. I mean, that would be the purpose of this, like, disguised entrance, isn't it? Yeah. Which I think is really a clever entrance. I really mm. like that. Yeah. It really, really is. Because that car looks like it's part of the environment. Yeah. It looks exactly like the sort of thing where someone crashed a car there so many years ago and they just let it there to rust. Yeah, just <laughs> abandoned in the, in the wasteland. Mm-hmm. This would definitely be the time in the RP when the DM would have you check for traps. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Or, uh, well, I mean, I guess it depends on which edition of D&D these days. Be an like investigation elf and, and, uh, check at least. Oh. oh right? Okay. Third edition D&D, uh, I know elves had uh, that secret door advantage. They could mm. find a secret door. Yeah, because... It was the weirdest thing, but yeah. Because you've got your adventuring party and they're pursuing a target. They let the target get far enough ahead of them that they don't have line of sight. So as they crest the ridge, obviously they'd have the thing described to them. And I guess the DM would probably make them do a perception yes. check? That would be perception. Yeah? Yeah. I'm used to... Well, there's a search skill. I'm used to some systems. I'm not used to all systems. In the storyteller system, the White Wolf systems, that would definitely be perception. Like, it yeah. would be wit's perception. In D&D, as far as I've played, my old lady age now is as a... 3.5er and not really beyond that would be like it would either be perception or I feel like there was a search skill it's just been a while but I'm pretty sure it's search so if we put ourselves in this situation and I just had the most amazing idea that I want someone to do so that way I can go there and enjoy this and not have to do it my own self in the escape room of Mad Max you walk into the room with your party and suddenly all you see is this back end of a car (laughs) and you know that the person in the hallway you were just chasing is there would you just check the car Yeah, I mean, like, he is tiny. He might be hiding in this trunk of a car. I think the strategy that Jedediah Jr. is banking on is that the people that are chasing after him are obviously in a hurry. He saw how many pursuers there are. He knows that it's a large group. He knows that they're going to move slowly. So he's hoping that these folks are going to be in such a rush that they don't stop to look around. They just see the car as another piece of set dressing, and they run right past it. Trouble is, because it took so long for him to slam that trunk, closed either they saw it swung closed or they heard it yeah slam closed well i mean children just don't disappear into well all right (laughs) (laughs) usually 
Like, people don't just disappear into this. So clearly he went somewhere. And if the only where to find is there, and not only that, but he was a little kid by himself. I can't imagine this wouldn't be like, you're a sailor, you're adrift at sea, and suddenly you see like a seagull, like a bird you know wouldn't be that far from shore. Mm. Not only that, but this kid's got arms. Like, he's got not like actual arms, but like he's carrying weapons. So, like, there has to be something. So, yeah, I can't... Like he has a shelter somewhere nearby. Yeah. I mean, unless he really is the most badass, like, first grader <laughs> in the ways that... Which I'm not ruling out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. Speaking of the idea of being the most badass first grader in the wasteland i don't think it would be a fight that would ever happen <laughs> but back in road warrior we had the feral kid mm-hmm. and here in beyond thunderdome we have jedediah jr i know that there are a lot of children to choose from we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to child actors to choose from but if we had to take two of those kids put them in a pack and play and force them to fight da, 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 oh. da, da, so da. if we put them in a mini thunderdome in a yeah. first thunderdome <laughs> So, Feral Kid versus Jedediah Jr. I'm going to give Feral Kid his metal boomerang. I'm going to give Jedediah Jr. probably not the giant shotgun, probably just the M1 carbine. In, in my mind, it's going to be like Hot Shots where they go to do that and like Charlie Sheen's character dips his knuckles in like caramel and then in like gummy bears because they're children and there has to be candy. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with the setup is that Thunderdome requires melee weapons for the most part. Mm. And both of the weapons that Feral Kid and Jedi Jr. have are ranged weapons. Mm-hmm. So they don't really fit into the environment. They would kind of have trouble using them. Not that it would be impossible, but no. it wouldn't be optimal. I'm going with Feral Kid, though. I think mm. his ferocity <laughs> might be his advantage. Even without his boomerang, he's a scrapper. Yeah. Though then again, I mean, we don't know about Jedediah Jr. He's clearly a bit of a scrapper himself. But he's still with his dad, whereas Feral Kid had no people. It's true. And I get the impression that the Jedediahs, like, they're a lot of bark and less bite. Or at least... Whereas a Feral Kid will literally bite you. How sad is it that the kid is the muscle (laughs) (laughs) in that that gang? There does seem to be a sense of civilization or culture to the Jedediahs mm. that would typically prevent Jedediah Jr. from using some tactics that the feral kid would have no qualms about. Really, the down and dirty stuff. Scratching, biting. Yeah. Hair pulling. Eye gouging. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the really nasty stuff that most kids probably wouldn't stoop to. But the feral kid would. Oh, you remember that one scene in the Watchmen movie where young mm. Walter Kovacs bites the face off of another kid? Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be like that. And I would consider that character practically feral. Yeah. He was extremely brutal. Yeah. The feral kid. You're not trapped in here with me. I'm no. It's nope. the other no, way. I'm Damn not. it! I'm just gonna keep drinking <laughs> yep. until the words that come out of my mouth make That's sense. That's what this is for. Yep. Yeah. 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 Cheers. Thank you. They lock the door on the Thunderdome, and the feral kid just growls out, "I'm not trapped in here with you." Yep. <laughs> You're trapped in here with me. Except it's the feral kid, so it's let be like. <laughs> It's like an angry badger. (laughs) I do have to say this is a complete utter sidebar on a cosplay front. But the sorry, are we on tangents right now? We are totally. I'm just gonna ride the segue. Oh, I was not expecting. I saw the most amazing Rorschach costume. You know how they make those pillows and stuff with the sequins that go one way and they're (gasps) one color. Someone made a Rorschach mask that was black on one side and white on the other. That's genius. It was so cool. Anyway, so So they're just sitting there rubbing their face. Yeah, like I I watched. I watched this particular person. I would say this guy, but I actually have no idea. This cosplayer and they wiped their entire face white and then just did something random and then turned a corner and every time they got bored they just wiped their face again and i just thought that was really neat and needed some lip service that's pretty awesome yeah that idea of using the flippy sequins for a rorschach mask is genius yeah it's so, so clever. So mad props. You literal props. Yeah. Mad, mad props. <laughs> I think what Jedediah Jr. has going for him as far as being a badass kid in the wasteland is the fact that he has access to so many toys and he knows how to use them. He is like a nine-year-old <laughs> and he's got these big guns. He's setting up traps so he can capture a train. He knows how to fly. He is a 
tiny pilot, kind of like short round in Temple of Doom, where he mm. probably has blocks on his feet to help him work the rudders and stuff like that. Whereas the feral child from the second movie is just a mean little son of a gun. Mm. He's also feral. He doesn't mm. have the wherewithal that Jedediah Jr. has. The socialization. Has. Yeah. Yeah. You could set up like the kid Avengers of the Mad Max <laughs> universe. And Feral Kid is the Hulk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like with Jedediah Jr. is like what he and his dad do. Like they're the brainy ones. Like if they didn't clearly want to keep themselves away from people as much as they do, they would be like the Wizard of Oz. They'd be like the man behind the curtain because they'd be keeping everyone away from them just using cleverness. But really they hole up in their little cave beneath the car just not actually being that scary so as the trunk lid slams closed obscuring max and the others because we see them coming over the hill as it slams shut we get a, an opposite shot of them running down the hill and we get to see everybody gathered together pig killer is being helped along as he hobbles through the desert and max is carrying master on his back yeah. master must be so pleased to be riding piggyback once again <laughs> it was his natural position and now he's returned to that it's just so comfortable clinging tenaciously mm -hmm. and as they all approach this vehicle right around second 11 we get a very iconic shot. It is so iconic, it has its own Wikipedia page. Whoa. Okay. This camera angle that we see is often noted to be the trademark of filmmaker Quentin Tarantino, looking up out of the trunk as it opens. Although he did not invent it, Tarantino popularized the trunk shot, which is featured in Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, From Dusk Till Dawn, Kill Bill Volume 1, and Inglorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. Possibly the earliest trunk shot can be noted in the 19 48 movie by Anthony Mann, though credited to Alfred L. Worker, he walked by night when the police are inspecting the contents of a murder suspect's trunk. Another use of the shot is in the 1967 film In Cold Blood, directed by Richard Brooks, after the two outlaws crossed the borders of Mexico in a stolen car. The Wikipedia page then rightly gives credit to this movie, saying that the trunk shot appears in George Miller's movie Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which means that this shot predates all of that other Tarantino stuff. Mm. It also appears in the John Hughes film Uncle Buck in 1989, wherein <laughs> John Candy opens his trunk to reveal a tied-up teenager who cheated on Buck's niece. So. Oh my gosh, I remember that! I do remember that, yeah. Uh, you can also find it in the 1992 film Sneakers, oh which contains a trunk shot when Robert Redford is kidnapped. There's also a trunk shot used in A Good Day to Die mm. Hard, when John McClane and his son Jack find a trunk full of guns and ammo in a car that they're about to steal. Paul Thomas Anderson used the shot in his short film Cigarettes and Coffee in 1993. And in Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest in 2006, there is a scene with a similar perspective where Jack Sparrow, Elizabeth, and Norrington find a buried chest and the camera looks up at them from inside the hole in the ground that the chest is buried in. I guess that would also count as a trunk shot. Fair enough. Now my question is whether or not the dentistry scene in Little Shop of Horrors is a modification oh. of the trunk shot since you get a scene from inside the guy's mouth as mm. Steve Martin is drilling With the dancing tongue. Yeah. A variation on a theme. I do have to say Sneakers is legitimately my favorite movie ever made. So I've I, never seen it. <gasps> I've never seen it either. Oh, I failed the both of you. I'm so sorry. I've been in close proximity with Robert Redford, but I've never seen Sneakers. And also Dan Aykroyd. Well, Dan Aykroyd has hugged me, but that's another story entirely. But close proximity. Yes, yeah, Robert Redford walked right behind me. Oh. And then everyone that's at my less, dinner table exciting. went quiet. No, it was not as exciting. No, no. Anyways, regardless, y'all yeah. should watch Sneakers. I'm really curious to see. I'm going to have to go back and take a look at the older examples, though, because I'm curious to see, like, the inception of it. Though not Inception, the movie. No, <laughs> really. No. I'm not surprised that it cropped up so often before Tarantino just grabbed it and ran with it because Tarantino is one of those film buff types. Yeah, that's exactly it. He's very much like George Lucas. He'll call back to stuff that he's seen before. Like, George Lucas was all about the old black and white serials and adventure movies and whatnot. Yeah. Tarantino much more into the 1960s, 1970s cinema right. exploitation type movies. He really crams a lot of, like, references and, and homage into his, into his movies. Like, 
it's always like a deliberate thing. It's like, all right, now here I'm going to invoke this movie, and here I'm going to take a look at this kung fu serial, mm-hmm. like all sorts of stuff like that. I think that's one of the reasons why I actually don't like his work. I was actually that's too much bizarrely having this conversation yesterday. The acting is always good, and the scripts are always fun. But I'm normally the kind of person who gets completely like absorbed in a movie. Like I don't remember the score. I don't understand like camera angles. Like that's not my wheelhouse. So I can really get into it. For some reason, when Tarantino does it it's almost like every time he does something i can hear him like eh eh did you, did you see that <laughs> I, I learned about that in like you know filmmaking 203 like for some reason he, there's so much of a lampshade on it mm. that i can't help but see how the sausage is made yeah and it kind of yeah. ruins so i love all of his movies like i i mean i love having a conversation about pulp fiction but i don't find them fun to watch because all i can do is like it's almost like he makes me want to deconstruct them as we're watching them and i'm like mm. I just want to be somewhere other than here. (laughs) So that's my Tarantino diatribe. There's a conversation amongst the movie by minute podcast group of can you ever go back and watch your movie like a normal viewer again Mm. after you have dissected it minute by minute can it ever just be a normal movie to you again? Some say yes. Some say no. Have you guys tried? Okay, so quick note for our (laughs) listeners. We are recording this vastly out of order. We have recorded a bunch of episodes ahead of this chunk of minutes, and this is more or less one of the last things we're recording this season. So I can't imagine why. Spoiler alert for minute 106. So for the end of the movie, for one of the credit episodes, we went back and watched the whole movie mm. again and talked about it as a whole Ooh. for that episode. And it was a different movie to us than when we first started. Will we ever see it again like a first time viewer? No, we won't. Mm-hmm. The ability you know to see much. the gestalt is just kind of gone. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. give away our final assessment. Fair. Because I want people to actually listen all the way through <laughs> the end of the yeah, season. No. No. Tune in, listen. For yeah. episode of well, no, but I mean, you don't even have to refer to this one. Like in other, cause, like I mean, Mad Max and Mad yeah, Max Two, Road Warrior. Yeah. Like, can you watch Road Warrior again? I don't think we've actually sat down to watch the first and second movie since we finished doing those seasons. Oh. Nope, we haven't. Mm. So I don't know the answer to that question. I will say that my, at least, and I'm only speaking for myself here, my involvement in this project. Thank you so much for involving the project. Is a lot like <laughs> playing Rock Band. Because there are certain, like, again, I take things as a whole as I kind of metabolize them. And then you look at Rock Band, it's like, oh, you know what? I never paid attention to the bass line on this song. Wait, <laughs> the lyrics to that song, are this is seriously an entire song about the fact that he had a Heineken in his fridge that he didn't know where it came from? Like, you know, so... Well, wait a second. I need to know what song that was. No, that uh, somebody's Heine is... Like in my icebox. Oh, say it is so. Yeah. The song so, that you played to death in Rock Band 1. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Say it ain't so. <laughs> my love is a heartbreaker. <laughs> um, I've but seen no. the drum solo in my head. Huh? <laughs> and then you'll just like the floor will start to move as everything kind of mm. goes up. And no, I've, I've never really taken apart a movie like this before. So it's been a really cool kind of exercise. You have completely turned me on to the entire subgenre of podcasting. <laughs> You monsters. Because what I needed were more podcasts. <laughs> Our job is done here. Pack it up. Let's go. <laughs> Just when I think I'm out. So, Sorry, were we talking about something? Yeah, I don't even um, remember how we got on this tangent. Uh, we were talking about the trunk shot. Yeah, we were talking about That's the right. trunk shot, and that made us start talking about how Tarantino is all referential and whatnot. Kind of like Bruno Mars with music, but yeah. it's going to be really weird That's when fine. Bruno Mars gets to uh, the point where he starts to, not parody, but like... Emulate himself. Emulate himself. Reference himself, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Todd and the Shadows, for that idea. Oh. But anyway, getting back to the minute at hand, because as Max and all of them are looking down into the trunk we get to see that Jedediah Jr. is climbing down a rope ladder, which rope ladders are all well and good, but the thing you can't do on a rope ladder is you can't do that cool thing where you grab either side and kind of hook your feet around the edge and then slide down. No. That's a cool move right there. That's one I've only ever done in video games because if I ever did it in real life, I'd probably freak out and fall off the ladder. And break break your leg. Yeah. Yeah. Break everything. (laughs) It's a shame he didn't have a little tiny pair of gloves. 
tiny gloves. Little tiny gloves. Leather gloves. They would need to be leather to withstand yes. the heat of the that. friction. Yeah. yeah. How many other first graders would Junior have to roll in order to find a pair of gloves to fit his tiny little hands? Just Oh, I thought you were going to say, how many would he have to take down to make a pair of tiny oh, gloves? Oh, that's, well, that's well, darker oh, than just I was the one, really. One. Yeah. yeah. That got dark. <laughs> <laughs> I hang out with Rick too much. Yeah. Yeah. You you should go back and listen to the glee in my voice when I was talking about the week where we had a bunch of child death. Oh. I was far too excited for those minutes. There's you probably monster. something wrong with me. Probably. Once Jedediah Jr. gets to the bottom of this rope ladder, he starts running off down a hallway. So this location that they are in is 100% real. Go on. It is known as Crocodile Harry's Underground Nest and Dugout. The original Crocodile Crocodile Harry passed away in 2006, but his dugout remains as a roadside oddity that you can visit and walk around in. It's $5 for adults, $2 for kids. It's open 9 a.m. to noon. They take a break for lunch. They come back 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And that's daily. Any day of the week you roll into Cooper PD, you can go check out this place that they're running around in. I don't know how I feel about that. I want to go to there. Well, I mean, we've been talking for years that we want to go to Australia. It's just the when, price tag. When we do eventually get to go, I know this is so far out there. Oh, yeah. I want to go to this place. I want to see this. Getting out to Cooper PD, that's like hire a bush pilot. I would want to hire a bush pilot. Right. So what's Jedediah up to these days? Jedediah Jr. Either of them. The Looking scarily a lot like the guy who plays Jedediah. <laughs> Jedediah Jr.? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, major props to not only finding a kid with the chutzpah to play that character, but they cast him really well. Like, if you go and look up what the actor looks like now, he really does. Like, I thought they might have been related. They look so close, which I found really interesting given, like, say, the person they got to play grown-up Wesley Crusher on, like, Next Gen, <laughs> who looks nothing Oof. like Will Wheaton. Yeah. Yeah. Big old square-jawed blonde man. Oh, yeah. Because if adolescence wasn't, like, traumatizing enough for poor Will Wheaton, this idea that he will not grow up to be this golden Adonis is <laughs> just an insult to injury. I was re-watching episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, and that episode came by, and I took a screenshot, and I tweeted at Will Wheaton, and I said, dude, what happened? <laughs> he never tweeted back. <laughs> Will, come on. Shocker. Dude. I had a note written down for Wednesday's minute that I didn't mention. Oh. So the kid who plays Jedediah Jr., Adam Cockburn, he has a YouTube page. Shut up. I'm oh, not kidding. No. He only has three followers oh. and he's only released a handful of music remixes and they're from a few years ago. But he did one for We Don't Need Another Hero. Of course he did. Oh. I'll post a link on the listener page. And then maybe he'll get a bump in followers thanks to your podcast. I'm absolutely going to go follow him. In fact, I'm going to do it right now. Fair warning. Oh, boy. Okay. He calls his remix a chill step instead of a dubstep. Okay. And I don't know if I have an ear for it. Oh. It really just sounds like the audio is skipping because of a slow computer. Oh. It's just one of those things. <laughs> he now has four subscribers. <gasps> oh. All right. Changing and I will world. watch these videos at a later time. <laughs> okay, so I need to go back to... Crocodile Harry's Underground Nest and Dugout? Yep. So this is a pre-existing location that they chose to film in. Yes, it is. So is this just like just a wacky hermit who like decided to live in this underground hole? All right. Let me read from the webpage, the official webpage on atlasobscura.com talking about this oh, place. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Located in the self-described opal mining capital of the world, Cooperpedi, where all of the structures are built into the cliff sides and ground due to the intolerable heat in the region, Captain Harry's former home is unmistakable. The titular captain was actually a crocodile hunter during his life before settling down in Cooperpedi. A notorious personality in the town, Harry was well known for both his insane home and for his love of women. Unfortunately, oh. the iconoclast Rake died in 2006 in the end claiming that he was, in fact, a Latvian baron what? who had been in hiding since World War II. What? What? <laughs> that is a lot to Wait, take in. Th that he was, in fact, like this was an actual fact? That's what he claimed. That's what he claimed. Okay. A Latvian baron. The article continues. 
Oh no. Luckily, Captain Harry's home remains and has been turned into an attraction for curious visitors to the remote town. The walls in his dugout are covered in all manner of recovered knickknacks and tribal graffiti, some placed by visitors, but most installed by Harry himself. Many who have visited the house have left their own messages on the rounded walls and ceilings, and many of the women who visited while Harry lived say that he would request a little ribald contact for the honor. Oh. Crocodile Harry's nest and dugout is one of the most visited places in Cooper Pedy, but will likely be remembered for its use as a set in such movies as Pitch Black and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Wait, where was it in Pitch Black? I'd imagine it was just everything in Pitch Black. <laughs> there was a lot of underground. That explains the women's names that are graffitied on the wall that you can see behind Jedediah oh. as the scene continues. Oh, oh no, I need to go back and look at that. I oh, didn't look dear. at that closely. I did you know not what it is? Notice. I was too busy trying to focus on what he was reading than to read the walls behind him it's true you weren't alone on that one i spent a lot of time trying to figure out what he was reading but that's further that's, down that's my uh, i haven't gotten it to we it are yet. seconds away from that yeah S- whole seconds that's fascinating i mean like okay hang on a second There's i'm, a lot I'm to really unpack here. <laughs> i'm conflicted here like okay first of all i don't know what this guy looks like maybe i maybe he's actually good looking i don't know but like if some dude was like i used to hunt crocodiles you want to come back to my underground lair like i don't know if i would go with him ladies and gentlemen welcome to my underground lair <laughs> like that's exactly what you're warned against when you do online dating you know like people with subterranean lairs you don't yes. go you don't go back to their subterranean lair you never go to a second location. Well, I wouldn't go then. What? I have found some pictures online of Crocodile Harry. All right, hang on. I need to take a look. Latvia's look. Crocodile Harry! What? <laughs> that, oh, no. Uh, well, mm, what is he eating? No, don't even. <laughs> Probably <laughs> Crocodile. That's a lot of beard. Oh, God, oh, dear. Look at the arms on that guy. <laughs> right? I'm going to share a picture oh, of oh Crocodile Harry. Well, I mean, like, you got to have those kind of arms if you're going to fight a crocodile. I mean, like... Even that's really not going to stand against a crocodile. We need enough to outsmart it. Wow, he's quite a specimen of something. So would you follow him to his underground lair? No! I just, <laughs> you know what it is? I, I just, I look at him and all I can think of is the end of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> you blew it up. Yeah, wow. All right, well, that was, I'm glad I did that search. Latvia's crocodile inspiration for Hollywood. Oh, no. Was he the inspiration for Crocodile Dundee? I would not be surprised at that point. The world may never But has, it, has Latvia actually claimed it? I don't know. This is the is internet. It, it you can only question. trust like 80% of I mean, look, read. I want to look for like official documentation. It's just like, yes, we, we claim him as, a, he is a son of Latvia to join the ranks of the many other Latvian heroes of the world. I was scrolling through the images when you search on Google image search for just Crocodile Harry, all of those pictures that we've been talking about crop up. But there's one in particular that caught my eye. It was a newspaper clipping, and the headline reads, Caveman Harry Hunting Virgins. Uh, Whoa. There's, I can't read the text of the story itself. So we have the flip side of the coin. Well, they did call him a rake. Yes. Not a surprising flip side of the coin. And yeah, no. And this is definitely like, it depends on who's saying, like, you know, he might not describe himself as such, but he probably would accept it because like, you know, lol men or whatever. I don't know. Karen, what'd you find? Playboy Mansion of the Outback. Okay. I saw as I wonder if anyone is the Playboy Mansion of the I Outback. I mean, his cave in some of these pictures are covered in crude representations of the female form. Yes. You mean, uh, oh, boobs. Look at that. <laughs> Can in the graffiti? Yeah, um, yeah, there's like there's cards. like sculptures. Oh, that's a that's that one's just kind of off. You know, this thing. It's got its own little angle going. Oh yeah. Yeah, and just uh, that's I... not the Canadian flag. That's adorable. Look at that. Yeah. Oh dear, is that a smiling sun? That's the sun, right? That's the sun. Yeah, that's um. I'm so glad you said yes because I was a little afraid of what it might have been. Uh, uh, otherwise, yeah, no, that's. Ooh, mm. I do have to admit, so, you know, we watching this and we watched like Jedediah and they clearly like they're scavengers. I don't know that they're really capable of creating anything. So this had to have been there. Like, I can't imagine that Jed and Junior built this place. Oh, that they found this place. That I they think just they kind found of it. dug it out of the cliffside. I don't even think they dug it out of the cliffside. I think it was already there. They found it like that and they just started like using it as their base of operations. Yeah, the thing Mine about now. this type of structure if you can even call it a structure it's more of just a dugout people have been living like that in that area for a long time Mm. when they first came to the area they said oh let's dig out our homes there you go 
So in a post-apocalyptic situation, it makes absolute sense that they'd be able to stumble across this thing and then decide to use it as a home pace and then fill it with all of the stuff yeah. that they take. Because they've got to barter something with Barter Town. If they want to keep that plane in the air, they need to trade something for the methane fuel right. that that plane most likely runs on. So they're stockpiling tradable goods. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're stealing more than they need to steal to continuously trade. So mm -hmm. they've got surplus, yeah. which they are storing in these caves. And as they need it, as they have a slow week of pillaging, they say, all right, we'll pull from our stores, take that to Barter Town, mm -hmm. get our fuel and our parts and our food. And it makes perfect sense to have an underground. You're in the middle of the desert, so it's unbearably hot during the day and it's rigidly cold as night as long as you know once the sun goes down so they live a i was i'm all excited i get to use this word because i i learned it recently and it makes me happy to get to use it a crepuscular lifestyle oh so like you know nocturnal more active at night than day diurnal uh. the opposite a crepuscular is more active in the morning and in the evening so sun up and sun down so you can be underground during high noon in the dead of night because it's either too hot or too cold that i think explains fairly well why jedediah is just chilling in bed reading a magazine while Jedediah Jr., who cares less about his comfort level, is out playing, hunting, exploring, whatever he's doing. <laughs> that explains why the dynamic is the way it is at this midday situation. It Stealing makes from trains. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially since a kid is going to have a different biological clock anyway. Like, you can, like, yeah, let him go out and tire himself out because he's going to have to come back in and take a bit of a nap anyway that I wouldn't have to as an adult. Like, kids need to sleep more anyway. Yeah. Let them tire themselves out. Do we think this is the first train? Like, I'm just trying to imagine, like, it works. They rob the train. Now you have a train. <laughs> What do you do with the train? You throw it in reverse and Bring sell it, it to back to the town. person that it yeah. got stolen from. I yeah, guess. I mean, like if there were a previous train, we would yeah. theoretically see it somewhere. Yeah. Right, because it's not like a car or a plane or a motorcycle, whatever vehicle, where you can then move it to your own needed location. Right. A train is finite. Um, it can be on the tracks or, or you look at somewhere else at best. Yeah. No, or you take it apart and yeah, there's that. You can now like turn it into a generator <laughs> on the other mm. side of the hill there's just a train up on cinder blocks <laughs> what's funny about them using these train tracks is while they were making the movie they would get maybe one or two shots in and then they would have to move off of that section of tracks so that an actual real train could go by moving goods and people this is why they have those dumb way to die videos. You've seen that, right? It's the Australian mm. uh, railway. Authority. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Have, have a video about don't play on train tracks. The dumb ways to die. Yeah, that just came up in a podcast. Was it 99% Invisible? It was. Like last week. 20,000 Hertz was talking about jingles. Yes, and they brought up uh, Dumb Ways to Die. It's an infuriating episode because they started off with the music from a little charity called Cars for Kids. K-A-R-A. Yes. Shut the <laughs> up. Do not dare. And they play it like three times during the episode. Oh I do not gosh. want that to sully my podcast. <laughs> That's legit. That's fair. I had to go all good place on you there. Just no, that's, to try that's and, fine. Try and... <laughs> I'm suitably chastised. I'll just be over here with my beverage. Yeah. <laughs> but the dumb ways to die one, like the, the video is, it's great. I mean, if you have a morbid, sick and twisted sense of humor like I do, it's hilarious. There's so many things I need to share on the listener page after this episode. <laughs> This Absolutely. is what happens when you let us join you. Yep. Mm -hmm. So many you references. Let us in the door. <laughs> but yeah, knowing that they had to clear the tracks because those were live tracks. Oh, that's not okay. Mm. I mean, I can think of, I mean, I went to school with someone who was in the film department, like in the film program. And they were like, all right, we'll just film a thing uh, on the tracks over in the train yard nearby. And they did. And, you know, like they would basically have someone on lookout be able to, you know, let them know when a train was coming. But that's when they also learned that a train on the track, you'd think you'd feel the rumble coming. You don't. No. It just sneaks up on you. So they'd be like, you know, be in the middle of uh, filming or getting ready for a shot. And they turn around like, oh, there's a train right there. We should just step out of the way. Okay. It would be like, stand by me. Yeah. It's it, it just bridge. except you turn around like, oh, it's right. You're right here. You are here. Hello, train. <laughs> Oh dear. The number this of is times awkward. when I was in undergraduate where I was almost hit by the trolley. Oh yeah. Because you just if you're so used to it, you just don't You don't feel you don't it. Hear it. Right. You don't hear it, you don't feel it. It's just there. That's so dangerous. Yeah. Don't play on train tracks. Yeah. Listeners. 
Don't do it. Just don't. Don't. Stay away. This is your PSA. So many dumb ways to die. (laughs) As we mentioned, Jedediah is spending the heat of the day lying in bed, and he's wearing these glasses that I'm assuming have little magnifiers in the front so he can use them to more easily read the text. So there's reading glasses. Yep. I was wondering if it was those or if they were the glasses that allowed you to lie flat and still read like this so they're like periscope. What? Have you not seen these? Do, do those actually exist? Yeah. Those actually exist. What? So you can lie flat and keep the book like perpendicular Vertical. to your... Does it come in prescription? I don't I, don't I think know. they're just mirrors. Yeah. So you could... Yeah, but, you but could the contraption over them. your glasses. Yeah. Oh. Someone's going on Amazon after this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe eBay first. <laughs> I was unable to do a proper zoom in enhance on this scene to figure out exactly what this magazine that Jedediah is reading is. I can see that the title is Holidays, and I think uh. that particular issue is about the South Pacific Islands, but <laughs> I could not find through searching on the internet who published it, what issue it was, what month it came out. I couldn't find any of that, and I was very frustrated. It's a valiant effort, though. So that gives me two thoughts. One, it's a shame that real life doesn't work the way that TV and movies does when you can just say the word enhance, and suddenly a picture just, like, enhances to a clarity that is just impossible. Yeah. But I wonder if that's an inclination that they're getting off continent. Mm, That that would be adorable. I think it's more that they found... A place with magazines that are still intact. Sure. I mean, like, that's a possibility, but maybe he's going to be Hula Girls. Uh, <laughs> but similar to the compound dwellers from Road Warrior, they can't stay there forever. If Jedediah and Jedediah Jr. never leave that hideout, Jedediah Jr. will have no future. Yeah. He will not meet anybody to mate with. He will not have kids. It's over. It's very romantic the way you, you phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that what a parent wants for their kid to someday find happiness and provide them with grandkids? Maybe he'll meet someone in Bargertown. Maybe that's what the train pile is for. You know, eventually he can literally catch himself a catch. Say, some people use Tinder, some people use Match.com, some people shovel a bunch of dirt onto train tracks and hope that they can stop a train full of people. I mean, it's not my thing, but maybe there's a girl out there who would respond to, This is a stick up! (laughs) (laughs) That would be the most bizarre meat cute ever. And I'm not denying that such a thing would exist, but. See, what we need is a remake of Beyond Thunderdome. From Jedediah Jr.'s perspective, <laughs> but he's played by Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> and then I'm what you do is here. just one of the kids in the background, they lock eyes, and then suddenly it goes like fuzzy and Dreamweaver wells up in the background. And <laughs> that's how you know they were the OTP. The problem is, is that mm. Savannah is too old for Jedediah Jr. And we also know that she has already had at least one child. Yeah, but I know someone who is recently single. No, 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 no. (laughs) But Anna is recently single. Her significant other died that day. Technically the night before. Within the 24-hour period. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. She is not ready to meet cute some other guy. (laughs) Especially not when he's hijacking her train. He's still a little young for her. Yeah. Yeah, Give her like another another 10, 15 years. She's more or less 13. He might be like eight or nine. Yeah. It's Which, kind of a Anakin Padme thing. I was, oh, thank God you Which went there before me. Is about the same <laughs> difference as you and I, but we're 36 and 31, so it's okay. So give him like an I try not to think about when you were eight and I was 14. I don't yeah. think about those times. You cradle robber. I know. Learning so much this episode. Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> like that Rick is only 31 years old. Oh, Muffin. <laughs> I am so much older than you are. You're older than Latvia, to be sure. I am, in fact, true. older That's than true. Latvia. To be sure. True fact, <laughs> So, getting back to Jedediah Jr. in the minute, not, you know, setting him up with anybody. He runs down the hallway. He's shouting, Dad, Dad, we're dead meat, we're dead meat. Dad, we're dead meat. And Jedediah... Ever the caring father, <laughs> con- always concerned with his child, says, okay, son. 
And Jedediah Jr. changes up his strategy, says, get in the plane. We gotta go. <laughs> Jr. has a strategy. Junior. He has taken charge of this situation, <laughs> and he's just ready to go. He just needs to get his dad on board. And when his dad isn't getting on board as fast as Jr. would like, he moves on without him. Mm-hmm. You can hear shouting in the distance from down the tunnels and i think it's savannah specifically who shouts which way did he go and then jedediah is standing there and he's holding on to his little pith helmet and he's like i warned you dad i'm getting the hell out of dodge (laughs) i'm very impressed with the alacrity of which both junior and everyone climbing down that rope ladder gets down i mean no admittedly they're highly motivated yeah (laughs) But still, they had to carry Big Killer down a rope True. ladder, you True. know, like, I don't how? know, I was very impressed with how, the, how quickly they moved. How has Pig Killer not passed out, either from blood loss or pain? They might have patched him up in the meantime at some point and passed get some, get in some a second. And just kind of rub it on there. Have. Meth. Nothing but meth. <laughs> <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah, that really does, actually. They live in an alternative future where cocaine was never removed from the formula for Coca-Cola, so he's just hopped up. He's ready to go. All right. <laughs> so the exchange here between the Jedediahs, like, it just feels like... I mean, on the one hand, if you are living in a futuristic, dystopic wasteland full of, like, angry dirt clowns... Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the mental image of that in my head just went sideways. Please continue. It's my fitting turn. I'm going to keep using it. And your child just comes in, like, alarmed and saying, like, quick, we got to go. Here's the thing. In real life, this exchange, perfectly reasonable. Makes perfect sense. Like, this, like, yeah, okay. All right, right. Like, you know, my kid's up to his games again. And maybe he is. Maybe he's had false alarms before. But at the same time, like, the dirt clowns might be coming right now. Like, they might be coming to get you. I would think that they would have a safe word. Mm, (laughs) Like a, yeah. Yeah. Like a code. Yeah. Protocol. It is time to go now without questions this is legit we gotta go and it would go both ways yeah if one of them said it to the other they would know it's serious it's time to go yeah so much of these movies kind of cribs from certain types of romantic relationship styles that you would think safe word would be something everybody would have like on hand ready to go you know mm. it's just all the fashions so, yeah so many leather <laughs> so many outfits made with leather straps you would yeah but he doesn't he just says, de- maybe it's dead meat, although that seems like a pretty u- ubiquitous one. To it be seems to be unhelpful. one of his favorite phrases. It is. You're dead meat. We're all dead meat. Dad, we're dead meat. You know, start turning into a broken record. I mean, sometimes kids, you know, they latch onto their favorite phrases and they say uh, it all the time. And sometimes I'm- they learn those phrases from irresponsible uncles and aunts. And yes, whatnot, and maybe. You have to tell them, don't say that in front of your mom and dad. <laughs> but neither you nor I know about this, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's we, all We've conjecture. never had this conversation. No, kid, just don't say this in front of your parents. Okay. (laughs) So Jedediah Jr. runs off. He, like I said, gets the hell out of Dodge. And we're sitting in Jedediah's perspective, looking out across the bed, and we see a couple of kids run by, but then we see Max, and Max stops short as he runs. And I'm assuming it's because he's finally seen another adult. Mm. But as he walks closer to the bed, there's almost a look of recognition on Max's face. And then Jedediah gets another look on his face. I think we're supposed to believe that they're recognizing each other. But shenanigans. The only thing that Max has seen from Jedediah is his outline sitting at the front of Max's wagon. And he's heard the phrase sayonara sucker said by Jedediah. I would put forward that it would have made more sense for Jedediah Jr. to yell, I warned you, Dad, and then for Jedediah to use the phrase sayonara sucker and then max would hear that and be like wait a second there is one other person in this wasteland that uses the phrase sayonara sucker i know you're the guy who stole my wagon because despite how many times we have seen max and jedediah in close proximity they have never once made it seem like they knew what each other looked like because they do run into each other in barter town yes <laughs> mm, yeah, no, that's a pretty good pretty good call. Mm. I can't I can't argue that. So yeah, this whole you me recognition thing that they're getting acquainted with each other for the first time but they still know what each other look it bothers me. So what if it's just that I'm trying to remember the shot when at like toward the beginning like you know, like the Sayonara sucker 
scene. Like, it's perhaps it's possible that there were certain shots, like, where he's more obscured to us, mm. but maybe from Max's perspective, he got to see a little more detail of the person. Yeah. If it maybe? happened that as Max was, like, sprinting after his wagon, he could see through the back of the wagon and get a sense of the exact build of the guy who stole his wagon, okay, I can get behind that. I just feel like if it was supposed to be important... It should have happened. They like should have clearly. showed it to us. Mm, yeah. George Miller is amazing when it comes to show, don't tell. He will show you things until the cows come home. Yeah, he's not subtle. And he won't tell you about it. <laughs> That's true. There's so many things in Fury Road that you see and he doesn't explain it. There's no Wikipedia for the Mad Max universe. There's no 500 word explanation on what Fifi McAfee has for breakfast on any given day like there is for Chewbacca. <laughs> Do we know what Chewbacca has for breakfast? No, because I haven't looked it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> the arms it, that he ripped off of a person who cheated while playing chess. Oh, the shit, I'm sitting so. there nibbling on it like a chicken wing or chicken leg. See, or like a pork leg? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like at the Ren Fair, you know? Just... I'm terrible because while those are all amazing points and while I completely agree with you, I'm always there for the cheap laugh. Mm. <laughs> so when he comes in and does that stuttering stop and it makes me think a little bit of like Tom Cruise's entrance in Risky Business. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking like Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner. Yeah, like the nice classic, like just kind of double take. Did me? Like, I don't know, the whole thing. I was just like, oh, this is why I love this minute. Suddenly. It's so ridiculous. Suddenly I want to make that. I want to take <laughs> this <laughs> clip <laughs> and just play that riff <laughs> as Max runs by and then stops. I know that we've mentioned Cinema Sins in the past, and I know some people hate it when I bring up Cinema Sins because they have a burning hatred for that channel because I get angry at them how dare they rip apart the movie and blah 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 oh that's but, not why i get angry at them but the last 60 to 90 seconds of every cinema sins video where they do those little music cues and references yeah throwing like how's the, the peeping tommy how's the peeping <laughs> i freaking love that i would watch a 20 minute video <laughs> of someone just doing that throughout the entirety of a movie because i'll watch stuff and i will do that on my own and i just will never make it real <laughs> So the closest that that thing that comes to mind for me that this brings up is oh god this is so old now this is like creeping up to twenty years old AMV Hell there was oh, a series yes. remember those I have those downloaded on my computer at home because you downloaded them from like Napster or LimeWire right Yep yeah yeah absolutely it was just little quick clips of moments from anime and like dubbed over with something goofy so like what's the anime with all the schoolgirls. Oh, that and narrows it they, down. Okay, that's okay. That's <laughs> Azumangadayo. I think so. I think and we're going they, to the same one. They did it with the IBM commercial. No, I, I had a PC oh, yeah, and right. then it like crashed. When beep 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 beep. Yep. That commercial. Yeah, that was. And then they used the characters from that anime. It, is this similar to the uh, GI Joe? The Who PSAs? wants a body massage? Kind yes. of, except okay. it's the ups where like the the GI Joe PSA, the Fensler film PSAs. I remember that. Those were dubbed over like by the the ones making it. Okay. Those were original, like, just goofball nonsense. AMV will actually take... So, like, there was another one that used the same, like, same anime. Azamangadayo, I'm pretty sure. Uh, there was, like, this creepy, like, mouth breather guy who really shouldn't be around young girls. At least that's the implication. And he has this, like, weird look. And he's, there's a clip of him, like, putting a funny hat on his head and still having the same creepy look on his face. <laughs> and they dub it over and they, you know, sort of sync up his mouth flaps with uh, that one really sad song that sings happy birthday at the end oh mad world that's the yeah. one oh, so okay. they dubbed that over him yeah. yeah like all sorts of there was and there were times when like there's a my anus is bleeding bit of the rejected videos that's dubbed over a very serious anime i think that was grave of the fireflies about radiation sickness in yeah. world war Two. like it's really dark stuff, but, like, that's what they did. They would basically just, like, mishmash, like, weird things to dub oh, over these it's enemies. It's been so long since I've watched those, and I might have to do that later. It's just been a few call years them up me. on the computer and just watch them. Cause you just I have, have to be ready for your soul to break a little bit, because it's just they're awful. I think AMV Hell 3 mm. might be my favorite one, but that's one is also, like, feature film length. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I never saw that one because I think that was behind a paywall at that point or something Maybe. like that when they released it. I don't even watch anime, and I still love watching <laughs> AMV Hell. Love it. Anyway, Max and Jedediah. <laughs> Smooth transition. Beautiful. Max points at Jedediah and says, you? No, he doesn't say it that way. He says, you. And Jedediah goes, me? <laughs> oh my God. Who else is he going to be talking to? It's brilliant, though. That delivery of that line, because he sits up like a like a meerkat. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, the speed with which he sits up. Oh, and he takes so those good. dumb glasses off. <laughs> and Max is like, it's your lucky day. And Jedediah is like, it is? <laughs> and Max is like, you've got a plane. And Jedediah is like, I have? And we hear the engine kick up. And then the minute ends. I was so afraid when that started, when I was reviewing this minute, that we weren't going to get the plane, and it was just going to end with, I have? I'm like, that'd be great, but to me, it's much funnier to have just the engine kick in at the end, and I was like, yes! So good. So glad it made it under the wire. (laughs) (laughs) You don't always get the perfect ending to a minute segment when you chop up movies like this, but in this instance, it's so great... A, because it rounded out the minute perfectly. Mm. B, it's rounding out the week perfectly. Mm. And C, it's just a great comedic moment when you chunk it out like this. Because there is more that they say in this scene. You know, on Monday's minute, Max is going to say, it just might save your life. And Jedediah will be like, it will? And they have more to it. I argue that you probably cut the scene a little short. Like, go from Max and the others turning to look at the engine sound and then have all of them just running out the door. But I'm not going to make a fan edit just (laughs) to change that one thing. I mean, you could. But yeah, it seems like too much work. (laughs) Yeah, fan edits are a lot of work. (laughs) I can't. I can't help but wonder how long it would take culture to really devolve to the fact that like kids are using a viewmaster and not realizing it's a viewmaster. Mm. And of course, as I say this, because I'm like, how could culture really like tank? It's been 20 years. But then I sit back and I'm like, I bet there are a lot of people watching this movie for the first time who have no idea what a viewmaster even is. And then it puts me right back into my place. Yeah, it's true. Though at the same time, like that's something that does pop up for me with Mad Max, like in general. But there are definitely times where just sort of like you got to roll with with the lore and it's always mm-hmm. going to be a bit vague so you just got to hand wave it but at the same time yeah there there are kids today who have no idea what a viewmaster is but the adult will be like oh that's a viewmaster here it's just like no here's the mythical tale of the before times and then be like, I've also forgotten, you know, these things in my lifetime. Yeah. Kids these days, they don't play with hoops and sticks anymore. <laughs> They're just out there playing on their Game Boys and viewing their video Snapchats games. Snapchats and, and Snapchat Instagrams. Instagram. The, and the my face. They, don't, they yes. don't do the ball and cup game anymore. It was so simple. You take the ball, you toss it and catch it in the cup, and then you just dump it out and do it again. You hate yourself. In my day, <laughs> kids knew their place and they just died of cholera. <laughs> hmm. In my day, kids worked a 16-hour day in a freaking factory. And they were thankful for it because they weren't in the mines. <laughs> <laughs> I think the difference between us now, looking back on our childhood when we had toys that kids now wouldn't recognize, and the post-apocalypse, is that now we have records mm. of the things that we were playing with. We have photographs of us playing as children we have vintage Viewmasters still in the packaging being sold on eBay. We have records and memories and movies and the internet and all the information that, that contains at our fingertips to keep reminding us this is what a Viewmaster is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm talking about living memory. Right. And in the post-apocalypse, especially with the waiting ones, they have nothing. They don't have living memory anymore because their adults walk away Mm. and they have no more written records. They don't even appear to have basic written records that the group that was on the plane would have brought with them. So they don't even have like a manifest or anything. Right. If you're getting on a plane because the city you're in is being attacked and you want to leave or has been attacked and you want to leave wouldn't you take a certain amount of knowledge with you i mean in our modern age we would have the knowledge we would download entire encyclopedias onto our phones we would have photo books 
on our phones. It would all be there. But in their day, wouldn't they take an atlas? Photo album. Photo albums, encyclopedias, journals, wilderness a Bible, guide. like religious texts. Wouldn't they take those things with them? I mean, not if they're leaving in a hurry. Very true. I know. Not I'm, if they're leaving in a hurry. I know what book I'm bringing with me. I'll just keep it on me at all times. You can I, bring. I was at work and there was the library was giving away books and I found it's a surgical manual. That has been decommissioned, and it actually has a hole in the front cover where there's a chain coming out of it because it was in the part of the library where they, like, chained it to the shelf. So I realized when the apocalypse comes, I can knit, and I have this book that teaches you how to do basic surgery, and that's it. I'm going to be like the medieval barber okay. of the wasteland. Did you tell me about this? I sent you a picture it? of it. Okay. No, I know about the book. Oh, oh, oh. No, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about much, something much more important, Karen. This is bef- between friends. This needs to happen. When we did a post-apocalyptic episode on Foxes in the Hen House, we talked about our post-apocalyptic plans. I didn't have the book yet. Oh, because, so this came with the this book. Is, yeah, this is all very This changes recently. everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. Be- because, okay. I mean, the knitting happened when we did that episode. I could knit The knitting, then. yes. That's, I but guess I didn't, true. But I didn't have the surgical book then. Okay. Now I do. Look, you want to be in part of my chain. convoy? Sure. I'm going to be an armorer because I got the chainmail. When we're on the plane. Yeah. And the third person comes to sit and sees you making chainmail because we've got Ahab up six rows ahead of us with a harpoon gun. We're going to be the most kitted out plane. We're going to be ready. Yep. If- to leave those children alone in the wilderness with a viewmaster. In fact, I'm only going to leave them viewmasters from the, because the only ones I have at home are like from the great Muppet caper. <laughs> Oh, those kids are going to be so confused. Yeah, they are. You're welcome, children. You're welcome. (laughs) The world was destroyed because it was overrun by monsters. (laughs) You felt monsters with the baseball diamond. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I was so old when I caught that pun. I was way too old, baseball diamonds. I'm so ashamed. Anyway. Yeah, I think I've already decided that if the end of the world comes, that I want to open up my own Thunderdome. Brilliant. Are you kidding? I feel like that would be fun. If the end of the world comes, I want to go down with the ship. I don't want to live through that. But the possibilities... You could have your own Thunderdome, or at least, you know, stock options in a new Thunderdome. (laughs) You could keep the podcasting gig going with Thunderdome and be a commentator. Yeah. I'm gonna get okay. myself I'm gonna find myself a judge's robe and get like a big stick that yeah, I can hold. Get, you should get like a chainmail shirt. Yeah. We'll do business. Oh, well done. Well yeah. done. Yeah, see, and yeah. then I can walk in and be like, listen on, listen on. Yeah, see? <laughs> Here's the truth of it. And blah, 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 blah. And I do the whole thing. I'm just not sure I'm cut out for non-modern living. <laughs> I get tired of camping on the second day. <laughs> like, just give me electricity. You're just gonna have to get and get yourself in charge of the city quick so that everyone brings you the things. Yes. You can be my collector. Can't I be your auntie? No. Oh. Well, this this took a turn. Should we leave them on their own now? I was like, well, <laughs> if you need chainmail clothing, I got the just hookup talk for to Liz. you. Yeah. yeah. No, I can take care of you. Yeah, I'll give Sounds you guys good. a discount, volume discount, regular business. <laughs> Excellent. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna have a fixed route. I'm already setting up points along the way. I talk with a surprising number of people about their post-apocalyptic plans because you, you got to be ready. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. See, we already live on a cul-de-sac. That's why I'm thinking that a th- opening a Thunderdome would be good because oh, yeah. you, you just put the, the Thunderdome right in the middle of the cul-de-sac. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you don't have to level the ground. It's yeah. already graded, and it's exactly. like a Latter-day bouncy castle for a house party. You know, just right there in the middle of the cul-de-sac. Except the bouncy castle is full of death. I'd have to raid a bunch of Home Depots to get all the pipes to put it together though and i i would definitely go geodesic dome i wouldn't go with the yes more angular squared off dome that they have in barter town so you want more the california love dome exactly yes exactly well you you don't go to war with the thunder dome that you wish you had you go to war with the thunder dome you have on hand (laughs) (laughs) see that's the nice thing about building your own thunder dome is you don't have to move into the thunder dome that someone else built yeah you know you don't have to settle for someone else's vision of perfection you can build your own all i can imagine is what after the apocalypse if there are radio and television for podcasting can you imagine the thunderdome flipping shows that will be on the home and garden network oh see i went in a different direction i was thinking like well if etsy survives the apocalypse then you can put up the thunderdome pattern so you can make your own thunderdome a diy dome thunder diy diy (laughs) oh i like it thunder diy you can see here we came to this thunderdome but there are ceiling fans and i hate ceiling fans so when we do the remodel of this thunderdome you know well, one day we're hoping to have, you know, little feral children, so I'm really not sure that there's enough room in this Thunderdome. And there's, for... there was it Shiplath that 
stuff the shiplap. Yeah, shiplap. Yep, that's it. We found that <laughs> underneath the Thunderdome, so we're going to preserve that. Has this Thunderdome been lead tested yet? <laughs> so I see that you're using the bungee cord method for your combatants. <laughs> Have you thought about going something more pulley based? Ooh. You don't get the relaxing that you get with the rubber tubing. You just have to adjust the weight as each combatant comes in. And if you do it right, you can have four combatants because you could have them on pulleys with each other. Exactly. <gasps> Ooh. That's the next level. Tag team Thunderdome. <laughs> oh my god, that's actually brilliant. Until someone gets stuck in the pulleys and then that's when I come in with the surgery book. Boom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, that pretty much brings us to the end of this week. Liz and Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anywhere you would like to point people to on the internet to find more of your stuff? Well, you can find us right now uh, on Twitter. I am older than Latvia. And I'm Hollywood Fat Cat. I do not wrestle crocodiles, nor do I have a home that you can tour for $5 a head. But I do make chain mail. She does make chain mail. Do we want to they were between podcasts. Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, I got a thing. We've got we've got a podcast in the works. It's it, it's it's likely to happen. It's really okay. hard to, especially now that I know you haven't seen sneakers. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, see, well, you know, I, there are only so many hours in my day. I don't think that's true at all. And I haven't seen you know, I don't know my favorite movies a million times yet. Maybe sneakers will be. I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna work this out. We have this to, 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 a plan to okay. work through. So while you don't have anything concrete, we know that something is coming down the line. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Or I guess if it's a podcast, we'll keep an ear out for it. But you get what sure. I'm trying to yeah. say. You can see it in the distance as a wave of dune buggies after your train has just been hijacked by a small child with automatic weapons. I love it. So I we're all it. dead meat? Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> <laughs> we're all dead meat, a vegan podcast. Oh. An ex- oh. a, a podcast on existentialism, nihilism, and dread. <laughs> I love it. I would so listen to that. The episodes write themselves. As for us here on the Mad Max Minute, we are going to come back on Monday. It is plain to see that there is a plane to be seen, so Max and the others kick up dust and climb inside Jedediah's flying machine, but they're not going to get far unless they can shed some weight. That is a problem that I feel like all of us have, but we will tackle that issue on Monday when we come back. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. Mad Max Franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our Patreon by clicking the support link, or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link. Thank you for joining us for Minute 93 of Beyond Thunderdome. See you next time.